Okay, hey, we've uh, we've been meaning to chat with this gentleman here. We got our uh, our off road specialist Jared Stock on the phone. He's been uh, kind of traveling around the world doing some fun off road stuff. He went over and did. Uh, he's done it multi times. The ISDE. Uh, this year, uh, we were going to talk to him about that, but then plans changed because uh, we got doing stuff and then he was going to do something else. So basically what this is going to be is story time with Jared Stock talking about uh, two pretty uh, pretty big events, the ISDE and the Corduroy Enduro in Ontario. But hey, Jared, man, thank you for taking some uh, midday time with us. You betcha. Anytime. Always happy to share the experience and some fundraising across the world. Right, right. Yeah. Hey, you know what's funny is I was just thinking this too because normally, uh, I mean, maybe there's some younger kids who don't remember you and your parents, you know, traveling across the country racing the motocross nationals for many years and stuff like that. But uh, I wanted to kind of ask you, being from Alberta, coming up uh, through the ranks, was the biggest deal trying to be the fastest Jared in the province? There was a bit of a competition. <laughs> um, I always lost because Jared Allison was always hanging around, and then Truska uh, was around, and um, you had to work hard. It's a it's a hard title to keep. I don't know if I have it now, though. I don't even know uh, who's left for Jared's racing right now, but maybe I can claim a spot now. <laughs> I was just thinking about that because I mean, there were, you had to be named Jared to be fast from Alberta back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> hey, what was your best ever finish in a motocross national? Uh, I believe 10th in a 450 national uh, in Calgary. In was my Cal- best finish. At your home track. Yeah, it was good. At, at the time, I don't even think it was my home track. I think I was still living at Medi- in Medicine Hat. Um, but more my style of dirt, and it was probably the only time I got a good start in uh, motocross national days so um in those in those, that time so it really helped it was mm-hmm. good it was a good good one it was actually one of the one of the motos in every every moto i've ever raced my entire life but i just felt good throughout the whole moto so every oh. once in a while it happens well you can't say that's not your home track it's not like you're from newfoundland or something oh uh, yeah that's fair it's well it's three hours away from my house i only rode it probably half a dozen thousand times <laughs> <laughs> all right all right well anyway no it was uh, it's, it was again it was cool to see you guys uh, your your folks and stuff at the uh, national this year in Drumheller was kind of like I turned around I was like hey cool look at these guys haven't seen them in a long time that's right I forgot about that already that seemed like so long ago uh, but uh, that was my first motocross national in probably since 2016 that I competed in so that was fun holy smoke so kids that were born back then are already riding uh, 50s and stuff yeah, well, that's like when we did the wrap-up podcast at the Valley Brewing. Shout out to those folks, right? Um, yeah, we were talking about all the the folks that were winning some of the MX2 stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not even sure who they are, but I know they were on fifties <laughs> when I was probably still racing nationals. So good to see. Hey, you it know what? We we have. Jared, we have to make a push to get the Drumheller race back again for sure next season because the boys at Valley Brewing said they would whip up some kind of a big wave brew, some kind of a special blend for the occasion. So we got to get back there. That's probably worth every single effort to put in for that for sure. <laughs> but you know what? They delivered to Calgary too. So I mean, wherever it ends up being, I'm pretty sure we can pull that custom brew off. Oh, okay. 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 That's all I'm worried about. Uh, you know. Just- We'll make it happen for sure. I definitely need a big wave brewery, big wave brew uh, bottle or can up on my uh, up on the fireplace mantle. That would be pretty rad. 
<laughs> what, what would you go for? Like an IPA or a Pilsner? Uh, something more along the lines of a Pilsner or a Lager, but with a, a, yeah. a bit of a hoppy flavor, but not too much. I don't want. I don't want too much. Maybe like a pale ale of some sort. A pale ale wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Something with some flavor, but not uh, not too much. Yeah, I've been experimenting with those lately. They've been pretty tasty. Not too hoppy. A little bit. Nice flavor. I brought one home from France. Actually, it was quite nice. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think anybody says. I mean more opinions against the hoppy flavor than there is me why, why are we tangenting off to beer talk <laughs> yeah i thought that's what this podcast was about well it could be believe me <laughs> anyway okay okay buddy well let's let's um i basically what i want to do is kind of pretend we're sitting around a campfire uh I, i've already said more than i thought i was going to say but i want to sit back i want to hear some stories uh, i'll jump in from time to time but I, I want you to just kind of take us through these trips man because i mean it's pretty amazing uh, for so how many isdes have you done now uh, this will be one, two, three. This will be my fifth one that I've done. Your fifth one. So, I mean, you and Tyler Medallia have been uh, doing these things for quite a while now because he's done a few now, too. And, I mean, let's, uh, yeah. let, let's, let's do that. Let's back it up. I mean, obviously, the ISDE is what your year focuses on, right, each year? Yeah. Yeah, that's my main focus every year now. All right. And you still enjoy it? Yeah. It's still my favorite event to do. It's, it's um, very unique to what we have here so it's just a format that i really enjoy uh it's tough you know six days straight but the format itself is fun too so it's just uh something i like to do we don't have it here so it's um one of the only events that i can really focus on is unless i could afford to go race in, in europe or something like that so that's kind of draws me back every year all right. See, my plan is to still get you to the to Erzberg or uh, Romaniacs or some some crazy event over there. We got to get you to as well. Yeah, those are pretty wild. <laughs> I don't know if that suits my skill set. Well, I'm pretty sure I can do it. I just haven't been practicing that. That's for sure. Oh, we don't care. The tougher it is on you, the better we'd like it. <laughs> that's okay. I've been listening to a book on how to suffer through things, so it sounds like I'm ready. Okay. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, let, let, take us through the ISDE. I mean, I mean, the big thing obviously is getting bikes over there, getting parts, making sure everything shows up on time, making sure everything's there. You get checked through. Did everything go smoothly? Like, take us through. Uh, tell us a story, Jared. Um, so this year we had a, a mix of both. I think logistics has still been a little bit of a, a nightmare. So most people opted to rent a, a bike from the KTM rental program. So with a fairly healthy check, you can get a brand new bike <laughs> over there, um, bring your parts and and basically build as much of your own bike as you possibly can, which is somewhat easier, I'm gonna say. Um, it's, it is and it isn't. I mean, normally, you know, the logistics part of things is a, a bit uh, stressful as is, but just getting your own bike over there ready to roll um, is, is probably a little bit more easy because this year flying over every year it seems to get a little bit more difficult flying suspension and you know whatever componentry that you need to bring to make it feel like your motorcycle so for me at front you know front forks rear shock handlebars triple clamps um you know seats seat covers anything that makes it personal to you for pegs and so when that goes to airport security there's usually multiple flags of things going off and, and uh partnering that with the lack of staff that the transportation industry seems to have right now. We had major issues trying to get uh, luggage from point A to point B. 
So I, I was lucky enough uh, this year I had no issues. All my stuff went through security. All my stuff went on the plane with me and flew with me. So I lucked out. Um, but everybody else, uh, except for me and Tyler, I believe, had issues losing bags. So um, Owen and Shelby's suspension got left in Calgary. Um, so we had Calgary to figure, they had to figure out how to get Calgary to uh, France. So I think it ended up costing them. Can you, can you hear the background? Yeah, what is that? I think we might be getting mail right now. Uh, oh, now my mom's going to start yelling. So I'm looking after my mom with dementia. It's been a heck of a week. So let's just keep, oh, yeah. let's just keep going. But that's, it's kind of comical. That's fine. It's a chihuahua. Um, oh, it sounds like a chihuahua. That's what it is. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, so troubles. Yeah, so they had to get their suspension shipped because the airline said you couldn't. You know, some airlines said you could and couldn't with suspension. So I believe it cost them an extra couple thousand bucks to get uh, it on FedEx or okay. UPS. And uh, I know MC her stuff got half lost. Some of it left, and they anything important was you know that couldn't be um, in a check bag sometimes you try for your carry-on but because the planes are so full the carry-on ended up being checked and then they got lost so people it was literally uh, like days before the race that people were finally receiving the last bit of parts and so that was a bit of a nightmare to begin with um but yeah once you're there and you have all your parts you get your bike and you can get it built. Uh, we usually usually put about 20 to 30 minutes of practice time on them and then impound them for the race. Okay. And then, yeah, so once that's all done, it's, uh, it's, it's as good as it gets. I mean, the biggest thing is that, you know, my bike that I have here is, you know, what I race and practice on. So I've got, 80 plus hours on the bike here and then you end up oh, riding, wow. you know renting a brand new motorcycle super stiff chassis it, it's a bit a bit of a process to get kind of comfortable but it is what it is we all kind of had to deal with the same stuff and then um, um, prior to, to all of our stuff showing up essentially that whole week that we're there before the, the event we're out walking all the special tests how long, how long are these special tests? I mean, I always hear about people. I heard people came out and did uh, Red Bull Outliers, and they pretty much walked that course. I mean, holy smokes, how much walking are you doing? Yeah, so it takes us six days of walking straight, Jeez. like from morning till till supper time. Wow. And then, you know, so we walk a test, we'll drive. Sometimes most of the stuff in, in this area of France was pretty close. You know, they're half an hour apart. But, you know, certain days are, you know, it, it's like a an hour and a bit drive to get to the furthest test and then you're you know circle the tests around there so a good a good portion of every single day leading up to that for that first week there is walking wow. now, i don't know exactly how many kilometers we put on but for sure a lot and um uh this year i tried to, to walk everything twice to come a bit more familiar with it Jeez. um there was a first first thing for me to try and never done it usually just walk the test once and you know cut some of the course just if i think i can read the course well enough i won't ex expend the energy on doing it but this year i figured you know the more familiar you are with it the better so i walked them all twice so the big uh, just to see if it really helped so your number one tip for someone going to their first isde is bring comfortable shoes comfortable shoes and i've seen people 
really rocking the hiking poles, and I'm starting to wonder if there's a benefit to it. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, there's a ton of walking. you got to have good shoes. Uh, you got to be properly fueling yourself throughout the week, even when you're walking, because you're, you know, we're already, you're just spending so much energy doing that alone um, and trying to prepare for the race itself. So, yeah, this year was the first time for me to walk everything twice. And I think it helped on recognizing a lot of the terrain when I was racing it, but I also was way more exhausted within the first couple of days of racing than, than I've ever been. So I think I'm going to do that again. Got to be extra water, extra food. Rick, can you, are you able to, uh, you're not allowed to rent an electric bicycle or something like that for it too? No, I wish I, I would. But yeah, this particular event, it's just walking only. And I think that's just to promote, a, you know, the, an equal fair chance to all the riders to do the same. And um, yeah, it's it's a ton. But you know, some of the like a lot of the European racing it, that enduro format is like that. So they do a lot of two day enduros. And I just remember last year walking with um, with our teammate Cade. He was over there racing those, and and because that's what they do and they're normal and they've kind of trained their minds to do that. They can really memorize a lot of the course when they walk it. And for me coming off a motocross background, like I need laps to memorize what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah sure. I walk it once, like there's all maybe retain 10% of the course. Um, so those guys are really good at being able to remember, like they will get halfway through the course and they'll do a recall on like left, left, right, left, hill left right rock here and it's super impressive but not in my skill set at this point (laughs) wow it's like like rally car racing you need a a co-pilot co-driver yeah exactly if i could have a little thing that said left in 200 meters then maybe (laughs) i'd not fall off the course so often (laughs) all right now the other thing too is uh, i mean obviously we had uh the situation there at uh, Motocross of Nation with Tyler Medallia with his getting his hand kind of not uh, kind of re- rebusted kind of thing. Sort of, uh, what was I mean, he went over there with the intention of riding, but then of course he found out his injury was worse than he thought, so he wasn't able to do the ISDE. Yeah, yeah. So with Tyler, it was unfortunate. I mean, yeah, for the team, but you know, for him as an individual, I, I would have been choked because. He spent all that money, like flying gear, flying parts, flying everything over, flying himself over, you know, with the hopes of the ability to ride. You know, obviously he wouldn't have flown over and spent all that money if he didn't think it was possible. Right. So, you know, we, we all got him, you know, got we got his bike built. We all helped him get, get rolling with his, with his injury and he walked tests with us. Um, like he was full on committed to, to riding that and then you know waited till the last minute to do a test ride as, you know, as long as we could with his hand and uh, yeah I think he knew pretty much right away when he rode a bike that there was no chance that it was just a, you know, a simple injury like maybe the first diagnosis so uh, yeah it was was quick quick we waited as long as we could but um, yeah he, he knew pretty quick when he rode the bike so but at that point, we had already done everything we could to get him prepared, and he did everything he could to be prepared, and just wasn't in the cards. Right. So, that, but oops, sorry. No, that's that's it. Okay, I was going to say that. I mean, that obviously takes care of you guys as a team, unfortunately, but you're still able to go after your your medals and your individual results, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the event itself, um, you know, because we came off that highlight of last year, we were all looking forward to seeing what we could do to perhaps best that. Um, 
and uh, push ourselves. But in the end of it, it, it all of us has to do uh, you know a really good job individually to get that team score. So I think we all pretty accepted really quickly and being that okay, let's just go out and we're going to ride and do what we're going to do regardless of uh, you know Tyler's ability to ride or not. So I don't think it really downed us, you know, as uh, individuals. Um, you know, everybody kind of mentioned it that it was like, oh, it must be a big bummer. But you know, we I think we prepared for either of the scenarios, and you know, as far as it affecting our ability to go out and do exactly what we were going to do, I don't think it it had really effect on on any of us. Now I can say personally, it didn't affect me at all. I knew that I just was going to go out there and do what I need to do. And um, the mindset of us, um, a four on the team at the moment, is that we got a lot of years left in us to compete uh, at the six days. So I think each year is important, but each 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 time we go is a bit more. Um, experience that we can put underneath our belt to be better at the event and to be better riders. So I think we all had a pretty healthy mindset on let's just go out and, you know, crush it and do what we can do and uh, uh, use it as experience to come back next year uh, at another event that we look forward to doing. All right. All right. Well, how about um, let's go through the actual event. How did it go for you? Was it good this year? Was it tough? Was it bad? Was it better than you thought? How, how did everything actually go for you? Yeah. So the event itself was probably one of the better, if not the best six days I've ever been to for the terrain. Um, was really cool, uh, really cool tests, really cool transfers. It was technical. It was long days. Like we were eight hour days. And um, I think I put like 38 hours on a brand new bike over the six days, which was over 50% of what I put on all year already wow. training for the event. So <laughs> it was a, it was a long haul for sure. Um, I personally, I think I started out okay. Um, and then I had a little malfunction in, in uh, my fork, which cost a little bit of call, pretty much the comfort for the rest of the like, day three on. Um, what had happened is I, I'd lost my, one of my bladders malfunctioned in my fork. So I had zero pressure. So there was really no damping left in the fork. Mm. So uh, it felt like I was riding a, a freight train for quite a bit of the event and then also um with no dampening it also just blew through the stroke when i hit anything hard so it was a bit of a like i was fatigued i was holding on so tight for like the last four days of the event that i like started getting my hands were completely numb i couldn't feel anything on my right hands for like the last four days which was the last four days yeah still to this day like i have no feeling in my my pinky Wow. Uh, so I got a, a nerve damage on, on the whole ordeal. Holy but <laughs> the, uh, so like I did well enough in the first couple of days that I that I was able to kind of keep my uh, gold timing through the event, um, even though I started riding worse and worse and worse throughout the event. And then um, on day three or four, actually might even in the day five, it was right near the end of the event my um i was riding a 500 and it it with a ecu is probably one of like the most fastest bike i've ever ridden but it ended up uh spitting out the the, uh, silencer screen in my exhaust so i got pulled in for a sound test Uh. on the last day and it failed the sound test which gave me a minute penalty on the day so 
the race comes down to you know seconds in that race so like a minute penalty was a pretty big bummer for me and so a little choked about that but you know i still ended up finishing uh the moto the moto day helped me again day six i got a good start and and even though i couldn't hold on very well i still finished in the top i think i got 36 or something like that in the test in in the out of the entire trophy division so it helped me kind of get my minute back and i still ended up finishing on gold timing in, in the e3 world division so was was still happy about it <laughs> but um you know never never completely satisfied we always want to do better and and uh but super happy with a gold medal still like that you know i think about all the years i took off racing from 2017 to last year when i came back i hadn't been riding had him in training only ever finished in silver timing before that and came back um after all those years off and was able to finish uh, gold in both six days last year and this year so huge progress forward and uh it's exciting and i'm it's pumped on it but i definitely have my focus is on what i can do to to keep elevating that game and and finish you know positionally higher each year and and be happier and happier with the the finishes nice now for those people listening uh tell us what uh gold tell us what that means percentage wise finish wise overall (laughs) yeah so the first so each there's e1 e2 e3 uh as far as class divisions go which is 250s uh, 350s and 450s in E2 and then 500 in um, E3 and then 302 strokes in E3 and 252 strokes in E2 and um, 125s in E1 so in the, all of those divisions it's all separated by percentages of time so in the fastest person in each division that if you're 10% within their time after six days, which is, you know, hours and hours of special tests. So all that's added up, plus your transfer time and any penalties that you get. And if you're within 10% of their time, you receive a gold medal as far as a six days finish. And then if you're within 20% of that time, you get a silver medal. And then if you finish the event without being disqualified, so being behind 29 minutes on the course, uh, then you get a, a bronze medal. Oh, okay, that's all. okay. Excellent. All right. Now, how about uh, like say, how old are you now, Jared? Thirty-one, I believe. Thirty, I believe. <laughs> Somebody asked me that not too long ago, and I said thirty-two for like a solid three months. And then Courtney, my girlfriend, she she's like, "Aren't you thirty-one?" I was like, "Oh yeah, right. Good point." So <laughs> I will I will be thirty-two uh, in December. All right. Now, do you think? Uh, I mean, uh, is pretty common way to go. I mean, you kind of do your motocross stuff. Uh, you maybe step back from that. You still have the urge to do some riding, dirt bikes, uh, enduro. Kind of comes. Ne- I mean, it's obviously it's more grueling. I mean, you could argue which which is more grueling in different ways. Obviously, but is that a kind of a natural progression? You do that, and then you move over to uh, enduro. Like, is that something that seems kind of normal? I think more and more people are starting to see enduro as a um as a just a more um event they like to participate in more um there's more riding to it like you're you know spending way more time on the bike right more time at races on the bike and etc uh i think if you're going to participate in the type of events that are like like the six days or a hard enduro i think mentally it's way more grueling uh, you have to be able to push through things a little bit, uh, I think, longer. So it's, you know, 
in say a classic enduro, it's hours of being having to push through mentally through you know uh, non injury pain. We'll call it like that right. fatigue and and whatnot. And in motocross, it's it's I think motocross is still as hard as enduro as far as like that fatigue. But it's only you know that twenty minutes or fifteen minutes of of pushing to that pain. So maybe as a younger athlete, it's it's will more within your tolerance. But I think as you become a more of a mature athlete, you you spend more time developing that non pain tolerance where you can do the marathon type right. training and do that sort of thing. So I think if you want to compete in the enduro stuff, it's still crazy difficult. You know, yeah, as hard a training, if not harder. Um, but I think if you're somebody, you know, who just enjoys the ride and like that's part of it for me too. I just love riding bikes too. So it's like the more time I spend on the bike, the the better. So I think that's just, it all kind of fit naturally. Even when I was racing moto, I was, you know, better in the last five minutes of the moto than I was the first 25 minutes. <laughs> and uh, uh, so that, like as an athlete, I think I was more drawn to more endurance type racing anyways. So for me, it just made sense. It was a good fit. And uh, and then I think for, you know, the market and and the community of of where kind of we're going with that, I, I just think the off-road scene is a bit more inviting. Um, you know, like if you were to hang out with us, like as me, Phil, Tyler, and Owen, say, at a race, it's like we could all be under the same tent or different tents and willing to help each other change tires or make sure our bikes are good or make sure we're good you know it's there's a lot more camaraderie in the in the event and all these enduro events than i've ever witnessed in a in a motocross type setting so like it's it's fun like it's a ton of fun and it's it's almost addicting once you once you do it once it's like you just kind of get hooked on on the environment and uh it, it, it changes you a little bit too like once you see it maybe like motograph guy coming into the race or into an enduro type race you get involved in that in that community and like that vibe in the pits and you just want to you know you want to be that and so you become you know part of the group and it's uh it's a good feeling i think i don't know it's hard to explain but i think uh you know the corduroy enduro was a really cool uh uh, example of that where it's like we were all really competitive really wanted to beat each other but we were all like in the pits we're all helping each other get our bikes set up properly in the transfer sections where we're not racing per se we're just getting from point A to point B if somebody has a bike issue everybody stops you know as far as teammates and and we're, we're none of us are teammates on, on the course but um, we, we all stop and you know help each other make sure we're good and it's nice. it's just a, a good environment nice now, hey, i gotta ask you in a six-day event what's what's the worst part like the monkey butt or the hand blisters what's what's the worst part uh you know i, I don't get either of those anymore um i i'd say <clears throat> yeah it's tough like for me if something's not perfect or set up on your bike or you have like a, something a slight irritant like a like for me, I had like a little, I, I smashed my knee in the practice course. So that was like an irritating injury. And so you have that irritating injury telling you to stop for six days and eight yeah. hours a day on the bike. So every single moment of every single minute of every single second, you're in pain. And you're just like, yeah, keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. 
<laughs> so that's the hardest part for me is just the mental game. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you're uh, super happy with uh, with the trip to the ISDE and everything. Now, did you know at that point you were going to do the cord? Like, had you had that on your calendar? Was that a, that was scheduled? No, it wasn't. It was a last minute thing. Okay. Um, how'd, how'd you get yeah, into that? So we, I think we kind of discussed it at the end of six days with, with Phil that we should, um, you know, try to make an effort to get out there. It's an event that we hadn't done. Me and Owen hadn't done it before. And, and I think it would have been, it was just something we'd like to do, but it's really hard with, we all work full time on the West here. So it's, um, or all of us too. So with both Owen and I, the scenario was like, well, that's, we're just getting back from six days. We have a week a week at work and then we have to approach our employers to see if we can take another week off after we were just gone for a month to go for another race. And so um, luckily we both were able to do that and um, KTM was gonna have a pretty big involvement or um, uh, uh, exposure at the event. So it was, it all just worked really well to have us there, uh, me to help out with KTM stuff, Owen with the gas gas stuff. and. And so they were willing to, to help us out, get out there as well. So um, it was a last minute invite, last minute plans, but it worked out really well to get out there. Nice, all right. Now, obviously coming from the six days, you know what, uh, you know how tough Enduros can be. The cord, pretty famous. I believe it was the oldest one, right, around North America. Talk, talk about uh, going yeah. into it. Like, did you know, obviously you watched videos and everything, but did you know how tough it was gonna be and was it as tough as you thought? Actually, so it's funny, like, I've, I've known the corduroy for the last, you know, maybe five, six years, it's been on my radar, but I never, I don't think I watched a video one time, to be honest, I had no idea what the terrain was like, um, I think I watched maybe a, you know, the only thing I ever saw was the, on the one grass track test was people jumping out of the barn, that's about the only picture I ever saw before <laughs> going, and um, so, yeah, I really had no idea what I was in for as far as terrain goes. Um, so when we got there, I, I borrowed a bike from, from Phil to ride. So his setup was, I just rode stock suspension. It was, um, and uh, we ran some dummy tires, which was new to me. I don't really run those very often as well, but. What size bike you riding? I was riding a 250 okay. XCS. And yeah, the terrain was, so the setup is it's a two day enduro, which it's a very similar format to six days where you're transferring from test to test. Um, and then the test sections are timed uh, via transponders and that's added to your total time to get your overall finish. So very similar to a six days. Mm -hmm. um, and the terrain itself was way more single track techy than say a six days where it's, you know, tests are usually even an enduro test that's flagged in. You have 20 feet of room to you know, go left or right and choose different lines. and. Right. and find your way around the course where the six or the <laughs> the corduroy was was mostly just single track um so and tighter woods slippery and really quite wet for what i was anticipating anyways right, well, hey I, um, I see i see your videos on instagram and everything you do a lot of single track stuff though don't you yep yeah for sure i i mean that's what we train for in the mountains here just all our rides there's mostly single track right but it's dry, dry, dry. So <laughs> right. it's, it's it's definitely different than um, when you get out there, and even like the type of soil. Because like even when it rains here in the mountains, it's so rocky that the traction doesn't change a whole ton. 
it's just it's still there's still quite a bit of traction even when it rains but out there it's different there's there's no traction when it when it's wet so the the, the roots are super slippery the rocks are super slippery um it's all quite slippery so the dirt was good when it was wet but everything else was was quite slippery so it was way more technical as a event than i thought it was going to be um but so it took me the first mm, day probably to get more comfy and like the just going really fast through the technical trees and slippery stuff and then um the second day uh it went way better for me i was you know back up into top five and more consistently anyways and um but it was a really cool event all in all like i think it's probably one of the final races i've done in canada as far as an off-road race goes for me cool. um because again that enduro format's what i particularly enjoy to race even if the conditions weren't exactly set up to for me to excel in it was still something that i really enjoyed and would, would do again for sure as long as they take out the tunnel of love so i was just gonna to say the the only <laughs> videos i've really paid attention to and that was where obviously all the videographers and photographers were talk about that talk about that crazy tunnel it looked like uh, I think it was uh, Ryder Heacock just kind of, you know what, I got to go up and around these guys and just kind of made, yeah. <laughs> made a run at it. But what's that talk about that? What, what was the deal? Is this a bottleneck too? Well, the thing is, so the way that that race works is, you know, you have a starting minute and from minute zero to minute 20 or, or more, there's, there's no uh, real delegation of class either. So like, you know, I was minute 14. Uh, so there's six people per minute. So there's only maybe like two or three pros ahead of me and everybody else is, you know, of uh, lesser skill uh, in as far as class goes. Mm -hmm. So when you get to in a test, you're always passing people, which is fine. But when you get to like a section like that, which was in a test, which is something that I didn't agree with, but there's like just a massive bottleneck of 20 people waiting to go through this section. So I think most people understand when the, the pro shows up and you're like, okay, like, you know, they kind of will make room, but when there's when you're wedged inside of this tunnel, like, there's no room for <laughs> where anyone really. So you either gotta just go Sandy and you know bash your way through there, or you know pick your way or wait your turn. So I was a little bit of both. I you know I worked my way up to the front pretty quick in the bottleneck that I was in, and and then it was the first time like I didn't walk any of the course, which was a mistake. Like, I should have went and looked at that particular section on where to go so i just sent it in there and buried my bike inside a rock and it took me a few minutes to to get recouped out of there mm. but uh yeah like it's cool it could, it's it's i love doing that stuff on dirt bikes i'll do that all day long does it need to be in a test probably not but if it's in a transfer section where everybody has to do it and if you don't do it you can get dq'd by falling behind time sure but uh, yeah it sucked that it was in a transfer because it's just like it's the same for most people but not everybody right the yeah. further you go back in the line the more people are in there to to bottleneck and etc cetera, etc cetera. but i have no excuse because the guy that won russell bobbit was in minute 22 and he still beat me on it <laughs> <laughs> now are you uh, are you talking to people ahead of you and stuff like that and saying hey hey look out i'm a big shot pro or do you just kind of rev your bike or you just he you just push your way um like in the tunnel anywhere <laughs> uh in the tunnel people like when i rolled in there was like it was kind of funny it's almost that like they anticipated there was like a handful of people looked back and kind of gave me the wave oh nice um so i got got in there and you know other than that if somebody hesitated for a minute i just jumped in front and <laughs> they seen how a pro you know they kind of they kind of got it but right. um as far as anything else you're just 
most of the time you're just passing people as you catch them. So normally I just make the most erratic sounds possible without, you know, I try to do it as far back as possible. Like I'll do like a, I don't know, I'll just start chirping like a bird really far away or screaming like some weird noise just so they, it's something really unique that they know somebody's coming up on them. Okay. Um, and then, you know, nine times out of 10, people will hear it and find a safe spot and pull over, but sometimes uh, you don't, so you're going to have to start maybe saying not so nice of a tone <laughs> and, and, uh, or make it a bit more aggressive of a move. Angry birds, some of your angry birds. Yeah, I'm trying to make friends out there. I don't have an angry voice, so. <laughs> well, okay, well, how about uh, tell us how the actual event went, where you finished, how you did, were you happy with it, what you could have done differently. Tell, Take us through the actual race. How'd you do? Yeah, so the first day, first test, I think I blew off the course and lost quite a bit of time um, in a test right away. And then that kind of started off slow. Uh, but as I got more used to the trail markings and, and where to follow, I got a little bit better. So I think I started off in like 16th on the, like the first few tests, which is not, not great for me. Um, and then uh, day two, I think I was more in the fifth, sixth consistently, which I got almost one a test and a second in, in a test and third in a few tests. So um, the second day went way better than the first. And... Um, I think I ended up eighth overall, which was, you know, I wasn't sure where I was going to finish, to be honest. Like, there's a lot of fast guys out the, in that way in the off-road world. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of went with the flow and gave it my best for my first year. But I think for sure a top five finish is, is within my reach. And um, I'll definitely go maybe check out a bit more of the course. And now that I've ridden it once, you know, a bit more familiar with the terrain and, and be able to go back and do a little bit better in the future for sure okay so now team canada isde bragging rights you didn't uh, you didn't pull those off but how did how did it go the bench racing afterwards you guys were all chatting about it who uh who excelled and uh how, you know how did it all go between you guys yeah so the for the six days um unfortunately like tyler had his his injury so he couldn't compete and then uh, phil had a again an unfortunate scenario with some bad fuel oh. so he had to a piece of plastic lodge into his fuel injector, which it took him, I think, 40 minutes to get fixed. So oh, once wow. you're 29, 29 minutes behind your time, it's, it's a disqualification. So unfortunately, by the time he got his bike going again, he was unable to uh, compete the next day. <coughs> and then <clears throat> new to uh, our trophy team, it was Owen McHale. It was his second six days. Uh, once on the junior team, and uh, this is his second time, and come, come with us to the world trophy team. Uh, he's 19 years old, and he's um, he's a really good rider, really good up and coming guy. So he was able to. Um, he was on a 450, and he posted some really good times. He beat me on the the last day or two, I believe, and. Uh, um, I was, we were, I was actually really impressed with uh, with his riding. And so um, I was still able, I think I was still the top Canadian between the two of us in the overall thing, but we were really close at the end nice. of it all. And uh, yeah, he, yeah, I'm really looking forward to riding with him more and, and uh, having him or watching him develop with us because uh, he's got a lot of potential for sure. Cool. Now, how about in the, uh, the cord? Uh, for everybody else? Yeah, was that, was that oh, in the... Yeah, for the cord, um, so yeah, 
we all raced besides Tyler. I think Tyler was either in designations or already injured. I can't remember, but for me, Phil and, and uh, Owen, um, so Phil ended up second in the event. Mm-hmm. He's an absolute weapon in the, in those in that terrain. It's like he's a whole different animal when you see him in that terrain. Uh, it's crazy. He rode really, really well. So he battled with Russell Bobbitt the whole uh, two days. Uh, I think going into the last test of the day, they were only like a second apart. Oh, wow. And so it came down to after 16 hours of racing, it was like they were a second apart. Wow. And uh, Russell, had, I think, still had an issue. They both had issues on the last test and going down multiple times, but I think Russell ended up winning by a few seconds there. So he took the win, Phil got second, and then uh, Owen was was posting some good times. I could think he won a few tests, or quite a few tests, like three or four or five. And um, and then he ended up in ninth um, with, I think he had an issue on one of the tests um, one of the more hard enduro tests where I think he got lost on it for a bit. And so uh, he ended up getting a, you know, it took a lot of time there uh, for him, which put him a bit further back in the in the overall finish. Okay. And you overall in that one were, what did you say? Uh, eighth. Eighth overall. Okay. So you're obviously happy with that, happy with your season then? Yeah, uh, it was good. It was, uh, you know, again, it was, it's kind of funny to think it was, you know, I put a lot of years on racing, but it was only my second year back after like a three year of hiatus of zero riding. Um, so I, I kind of always want to do better, but I think I realized that, you know, I kind of started restarted the, the wheel here and um, I gotta be happy with it. And each year progressively getting significantly better than I was before I quit. So um, I'm happy for sure. I'm motivated and still looking forward to, to checking more boxes and and excelling more into the future years here nice hey Dave, now you're uh, not the tallest guy is that uh, i know some of the step moves getting over logs and the step you know is that good to be short or bad to be short for the, i mean certain obstacles how do you think that would be shorter uh i think it depends i think it really does lend a benefit if you're a bit taller on on getting over obstacles and stuff like that um so i've had to work my skill a little bit more to be smooth but i think um it hasn't held me back too much with with that a lot of the stuff we do is pretty fast so if i hit it fast enough i just get my body over it and sometimes that's what you got to do but but not too bad how tall are you just for people that they're listening going, wow how short is this guy <laughs> Tell them how um, you know I'm in a very serious relationship now, so I'm 5'9". I don't have to lie about it. Oh, you're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I always tell people that story. I said, people I'm back when I was single, I say, they're asking me how tall I am. I said, well, my online dating profile says I'm 5'10". Uh, okay, I see. You know, I've got a I've got a buddy I went to high school with who's a firefighter, and uh, he puts lifts in his fire boots. Ooh. Yeah, that's 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 next level. Well, let's see, that was my, my strategy. I just get anybody to meet me when I'm out riding my dirt bike. So I got my dirt bike boots on. I'm an extra half-inch dollar. <laughs> You're always wearing boots. You're like George Costanza wearing the Timber, Timberlands. <laughs> exactly. That's what I should do. Genius <laughs> All right, Jerry. Well, that's, that was fun to go through a little uh, story time. But like I say, we meant to do it right after the ISDE. And then it's like, well, now he's doing the corduroy. So let's, uh, let's, let's tell a whole off-road story here. So I appreciate you taking time. I know you're on, uh, on your lunch. Where are you right now? Might as well do a plug. Where are you? 
Yeah, I'm actually, so I moved down to Medicine Hat to come back to Self-Time Power Sports, which is uh, the dealership that I raced for for my entire career. Um, so we picked up KTM, and so it was a good opportunity for me to come back and, and help out uh, build the brand locally and, and give back to the shop that helped me for so many years. So that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years here now, or almost two years, I guess. All right. Now, hey, I'm old and you're in Medicine Hat. I've got to ask, are there Rollerball, Ross Rollerball, Pedersen sightings? What's what's the deal there? Do you ever see them? There is sightings and I have his phone number and I have to call him about getting my dirt bike. So it's, it's, there is sightings. He does exist. I've heard good things uh, about, um, he's out like walking and cycling. I think he's got some, um, some new knees and stuff like that. Oh, wow. I think he's doing well. Really? But yeah. I haven't heard. I got to talk to him myself. I, I'm going to call him here one of these days. I need a, a good cycling partner in town, so I'm hoping he's up for the task. Awesome. So, I mean, just to continue on this tangent, uh, what is the last story you did hear about Ross? Just the knees, or is there someone saw him riding or doing something? Um, I think I think he's been out jet skiing and all this kind of stuff I've heard I haven't seen them yet so I, I don't know for sure but I gotta find out myself yeah, well that's awesome well next time if you if you do see him make sure you grab a selfie and send it over that's for sure because a lot of people might okay. use that dude was a hero that's back in idea. my day yeah I'll do that I, I'll, uh, if we go cycling or something I'll, I'll post up a photo that'd be awesome hey um yeah. so what's uh, okay well what's next for you now is that to end your season now we're heading into obviously snow's gonna start flying soon what's uh, what's next uh, so, yeah, there's some reading crosses coming up here in the next few weeks, but I think I'm going to sit them out. I haven't had the best run-ins with the reading crosses for my health, so um, I'm going to take a, a month of no racing and just kind of get my life organized a bit more, um, recuperate some cash that has been depleted heavily in my bank accounts, and, <laughs> um, yeah, take a breather. And then for us, the wintertime is heavy training, so we'll be hitting the gym hard and we ride we ride every weekend with studded uh, tires okay. um, where, wherever we can. So there's not a weekend that doesn't go by usually throughout the entire winter that we're not uh, continuing our riding program. So. Oh, okay. Now the arena yeah. crosses you're talking about, of course, we got Calgary coming up. Then we got uh, Paul's, the LRX. We got yep. his uh, races in Brooks the two weekends, right? Yep. Right, right. So you Yeah, and then I believe there's a couple in central Alberta as well. There's another uh, a couple folks putting some on up there. So... Um, I think there's there's a, a full winter full of reading crosses around here. Okay, wow, but you're not going to jump in any of those? Nah, for, I don't think so. I mean, I'm still in good riding shape and condition. I probably could ride these upcoming ones in October and November, but I think I'm going to be a professional spectator this, this go-around. Okay. All right, so the uh, the date circled on your calendar for 2023. You got, uh, what are you what are you picking on uh, next year? The ISDE, the Corduroy again, or will you do that? What's What's your plan? Yeah, so I think for sure number one is the ISD in Argentina again. Um, I had a really good showing there in 2014, so excited to go back there and give that another go. Um, and then Corduroy Enduro for sure. I want to put that back on the list as well. And um, I our goal here in Alberta is to um, you know we I want to focus on six days and and that type of racing, and we don't have that type of racing around here. So I'd like to. Uh, do the best I can to create a bit of a sprint enduro series um, for to help grow the awareness of the sport. Uh, you know that part of it, the sprint type enduro format. 
So I'd like to get that rolling here out in the west. Um, so I'm going to start focusing on that and right away. That's kind of why I'm taking some time off racing is to kind of get my ducks in a row there. Okay. Uh, so that'll be the main focus is, you know, putting that series on and racing it, promoting it, and then um, uh, preparing for the six days in the corduroy as well. I think that'll just go hand in hand for training for that. So Hey, hey, what about, um, I mean, outliers, obviously, that should be something you should be doing too. But the, the dates, would they, any chance they would change the dates? So you guys out, you know, Canadians that aren't going to ISDE and other guys could actually do that event? So this upcoming year for 23 will be good because when the six days in is in Argentina, they push it to November. Ah, there you so go. So we will be free and clear. So maybe uh, maybe I'll put a two-stroke in the arsenal and start training for that too. It's probably a good idea. Right, okay. So throw that one on your list too. Okay, I'll put it on the list. I'll go buy a 300 right now just to start training. Yeah, you should be better. Yeah, just head over. Walk out there and buy yourself one. Uh, put one in the back of your truck on the way home. Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to go pitch that idea up front right now. That's, uh, there is one sitting there that looks like a fun, ton of fun to ride, so maybe I'll do that. <laughs> All right, Jared. Well, like I said, we meant to uh, chat a while ago, but I'm glad we waited and got uh, both stories from you. And, uh, man, so we know what's next. We know, uh, yeah, we know where you're working. Man, do, do you want to uh, thank anyone who helped you get to all these things? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's one thing I'm, you know, maybe lack of doing, but I really appreciate uh, the support that I had this year. Um, you know, not only uh, with KTM and Southland as dealerships and, and Liette and Astra, Seiko and, and the companies uh, in the motorcycle community that helped me out. It's been a really good year for, for personal sponsorships and, and t-shirt sales and hat sales. Um, so I can't thank those people enough that, that really are passionate, as passionate about the sport as I am that, uh, that really step forward and, and help out with um, you know, the financial side of things has been incredible, uh, super humbling and appreciative of those folks. Um, and that they all know who they are. And, um, yeah, I thank them a million times and can't thank them, uh, much more. And same with anybody buying t-shirts and, and hats. It's just like, it's really cool. Like I like that part of it, uh, you know, that I made some hats for the, the team this year and just to see people out wearing them and supporting the brand and the cause has been really cool. So yeah super appreciative of everybody who helps out awesome and that's cool all right well hey again thank you very much for taking some time i know you're you're out in the back there behind the shop uh, on your lunch break so hopefully you had a chance to eat or now you can uh you can call this work man we're plugging the store you said yeah. uh, you said the shop a few times now go have lunch that's all right I, I eat it takes me about three and a half seconds to eat lunch these days i'm pretty much i just devour whatever in front of me <laughs> so it doesn't take me long and um, yeah, this is, this is work. You know what we didn't talk about, Billy? I just remember someone asked me to think about a story. And oh, yeah. The, the, uh, I'll leave this image with people. Okay. The, the, the shining moment of the Cordero Enduro for me was when my fuel tank, my fuel cap malfunctioned. And what started as a small burning of my in my knee area became a full genital junk area burn. And I had to rip my pants off and underwear so people were driving by saw Jared in the woods half naked and I'm hairy enough that they might have thought it was a Sasquatch so <laughs> that's what I'll leave people with you know I, I, I'm still uninjured today I have heard those stories from uh, too many people I guess it's I've never had it happen but it sounds like it's uh, more painful than you would imagine you know what I thought the stories were people exaggerating but I thought I was going to have to quit the event and uh go to the local hospital and call <laughs> Courtney and tell her that I'm no longer to 
participate in 50% of what it's You know, if you light a match, you can just burn that right off. Yeah, it's, it was felt like it was already burning off. Oh, I'm, officially, oh. I'm officially cleansed. Oh, man. All right. Well, yeah, that's a good note to leave it on, the old uh, yeah. fuel in the junk <laughs> image. <Yep. laughs> All right, Jared. Jared, pants half off in the woods. Oh, Here, man. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks very much. Let's stay in touch, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll bug you again from some of your next adventures, and we'll we'll try to get you over to Europe sometime to do these. I got to see you do Erzberg. All right, deal. Um, you know what? I better start training. I'm going to get that 300. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your time, and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Julie. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.